Hello and welcome to Manchester is Red from the Manchester Evening News. I'm James Robson. With me today is Samuel Luckhurst and Kieran Kelly. We're going to have to start off with the transfer window. It was probably about the dullest final week of the transfer window as far as United are concerned in recent years, isn't it? It was pretty dull last year as well, to be fair. And even when there was a relatively major outgoing, it was the day after the deadline as well in Pereira going to Valencia. Uh, there was one player who who could have who was certainly exploring the possibility of going, but never seemed to be in the offing. And particularly, I think Mourinho wanted to end the window with I think twenty six available players. He's ended up twenty five because McTominay's come in for Pereira and they didn't get that, that final priority target so it, it was as you said it was, it was very quiet and, and pretty dull really there, there was, there's not a great deal more to say about it but Mourinho it's quite clear that he's already looking ahead to next year in terms of reinforcing the flanks and you suspect that a couple of players in that squad have really got to impress him over the next just over the course of this season and if they want to have a future at the club I look at this window and I think I know Mourinho wanted that fourth player, he wanted that, that wide man ideally, whether it was a wing-back or a winger, he, he wanted something else out wide. But I still look at this window and think United were one of the big winners, weren't they? Yeah, um, it's not a bad thing if you don't have to use deadline day, is it? If you're that organised and you know you had that unofficial deadline of you know, July 7th or 8th when they all came back for pre-season and although you know Lukaku wasn't there by then or Matic um, you know by the end of July they had effectively their their business wrapped up in getting those three names um I'm sure obviously he wanted that fourth name that winger that guy to play on the flanks but when you look at how quickly the the new guys have hit the ground running and acclimatized it's been a really positive one because you contrast it with the other rivals where you know you, you saw it you know champions Chelsea in the last day how chaotic it seemed there that you have Ross Barkley even turning his back on them um, and that's not what it's about no even. one wants to join Chelsea yeah, do they I, I don't know why it's it's really <laughs> bizarre but um, it, it's a similar thing with you know Arsenal you know how um, chaotic it's been there so you know you kind of put themselves in the best possible position and, and having gone into that first game against West Ham with the squad that's going to really take them through the season and it looks like they've got you know strength and numbers there to, to really cover most spaces provided they you know avoid the kind of uh, injury headache that really crippled them in the business end of the season last year. The thing about Mourinho is you know when he's unhappy he'll let everybody know when he's unhappy won't he and even though he hasn't got in all of the players he wanted you suspect that the fact that he got in his key signings in early it's a really settled United team isn't it at the start of the season he's still happy isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he's quite. He said himself, he's quite uncomfortable with them being ahead already at this stage. But just looking at the transfer activity, it shows the benefit of having Premier League targets lined up. Like he wanted Dyer or Matic for that midfield role. William was another player he looked at. Obviously, Bale. They, they were never really likely to get him, but another player who's playing in the Premier League, and with Lukaku and Matic coming in, they've just been able to hit the ground running because they're. They're Premier League proven players, although it is a big step up for United. I think that just how settled the squad is, and Mourinho said as well, just how good a pre season they had, it has made a huge difference. I think the, the one 
issue I'd take with it. With you look at the size of the squad, and even though it's not a massive difference going from twenty four to twenty five, I think you look in previous seasons when United have gone under that twenty four, sorry, that twenty five number, that they have taken a risk with it because as soon as a couple of injuries start mounting up, you look at who you're leaving out, and you, there's no one left to, there's no one there to leave out. And I think it was last season when. Matter got injured and Ibrahimovic was suspended and there were a couple of injuries in international duty. Suddenly you've got Matty Willett coming into the squad. So he is kind of leaving himself a little bit short and some of those squad members are very much rookies in McTominay and Tunzibi, even though he got a lot of exposure towards the end of last season. It will make a massive difference when Ibrahimovic and Rojo come back in. At that point you've got a 27-man squad. But I still think, looking at the quality of the depth I think it is still dubious to a certain extent I think the bench is fine at the moment but it's when the injuries do tot up which is inevitable at some stage where I think he might be getting a bit agitated unless United are of course playing well but I think just going up to the the, the winter transfer window last season he was quite adamant he wanted a defender because Smalling was injured and and there were issues and Bailly was out for a while as well Uh, and he was fortunate that Rojo and Jones played as well as they did off the top of my head, I can't really think of a club who've had a better window. I know City have brought in no. a lot of exciting players, but you look at that squad and there's still some, some weaknesses. Can you think of anyone who's had a, a better window? Um, no, I mean, people obviously were talking about, say, West Ham before going into the first game. Yeah, season, that well, yeah. so it, it, it's really, um, it's only time will tell. It's, a, it's an old uh, cliche at this stage, but I think United... As uh, Simon touched on, you got that proven Premier League experience. You got a manager who knows those players well as well, and knows how to handle them. And even with someone new like Lindelof, he's you know addressed that matter so early. He hasn't let it linger. You know the the questions aren't necessarily about him like they were with Mkhitaryan when you know there's a lot of mystery surrounding him, and he's made it clear how patient he's going to be. And uh, I think when you have a manager like that and one who's got the options like Phil Jones who's really obviously hitting form it's 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 not a big issue um, it's yeah. just for me it's got a balance in a way that it's probably not had since Fergie retired it's taken a while it's taken three different managers in however many transfer windows but it actually looks like a consistent thought now has gone through that squad yeah absolutely and the the spine of it is particularly strong in that I'd say you've got the best goalkeeper in the league quite comfortably I'd argue that Bailly is probably the best centre-back in the league, even though Jones has been getting an awful lot of praise and has been excellent. I think Bailly's just one of the bargains of the decade. I he's know the he new cost... company, really, isn't he? Well, he's yeah, kind of and come from nowhere and he's, he just looks perfect. In today's market value, you'd, you'd say it was. I mean, company costs, what, £6 million? Mm. Pounds, and that's probably the, the, you know, the equivalent of it these days. What Bailly costs, £30 million. Um, and just going looking ahead to the Stoke game on Saturday, you look at that spine of De Gea, Jones, by Pogba, Matic, uh, Lukaku as well. I mean, they can give you know they can match Stoke up if they need to there. Whereas in previous seasons, they haven't, and particularly that Boxing Day game a couple of seasons ago, where I don't think any United supporter it said how it said so much about how bad a state they were in that not many United fans were expecting to get anything from that game. So it's, it has been a huge turnaround and uh, I think with Mourinho it's not a coincidence that since he's come in United haven't been signing players on deadline day whereas previous summers it was Fellaini, it was 
uh, Blendon Falcao and, and Marshall as well when certainly in that madcap Moyes summer they were trying to sign more than just Fellaini on that last day. We've got a brilliant craft beer offer for Manchester is Red listeners. We've teamed up with Beer52.com who have a great new way to discover the best small breweries from home and abroad. And by joining their beer club, you can get expert selected case of different styles delivered to your home every month. And just for listeners of Manchester is Red, we've managed to secure an amazing deal, a case of eight mystery beers for free. It's normally £24 a case, but all you need to pay this time is £5.95 for postage. Just use the code MANU, or one word, at beer52.com to get stuck in. So do you think that's a, an example of Mourinho having more say over the transfers than than his predecessors, or is it a case of Ed Woodward just getting his act together after making a bit of a mess of a few windows? What, what do you think that is? I think it's a combination of both. I think Woodward has learnt a lot from those disasters, and the first summer was just unbelievably amateurish. Um, that was of uh, historical proportions how bad that was, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the imposters thing with Herrera was, was farcical, but it was just the fact that they ended it with a player in Fellaini who... I actually wrote Fellaini. I thought he had merits when he came to United then, but the problem was that they could have signed him for about four and a half million pounds cheaper if they bought him a month earlier. And Moyes had this nonsense about saying, oh, I didn't want to make him my first signing. Well, it made sense to bring him in as your first signing, just get him out of the way, and then you could have you know, made a big song and dance about another big player coming in. And Mourinho clearly is well prepared for this. He's told us in February that he knew who he wanted. Um, in fairness to Van Gaal, he, he seemed quite prepared in his second summer. Yet, you know, the, the saga with Ramos back then, United was still easily led down the garden path. And I think that was the summer when they thought they had a chance of getting Neymar as well. But they're realistic now. I mean, realistically, they could have got Griezmann. It was only the Court of Arbitration, the sports decision, that stopped that from happening. The attitude towards Ronaldo, I think, showed how much Woodward's probably matured in that role. Because yeah. in the past, as soon as. Ronaldo started fluttering his eyelashes as he did. Perhaps He'd gone on the phone to George Mendes. Yeah, and, and maybe uh, forgotten about everyone else he was interested in, then chased after him. Yeah, absolutely. And like last year was another example. Mendes was the one who actually, from, from what I was told, was the one who instigated United's interest in Ronaldo Sanchez because he made Woodward aware of it. Scouts went out to look at Sanchez. They liked what they saw. Then they kept on looking at him, looking at him, and United probably. You know, should have signed him um, and, and thought they were going to, but when Bayern Munich came with the offer, he decided to go there. So it's an interesting sliding doors moment, considering he's just gone to uh, Swansea. And Mourinho, you suspect he knew that this was a really important summer. He couldn't have any messing around because having gone one season without the title, yeah. he doesn't want to go two without it. He knows the sort of pressure that would be on him, even after winning two trophies last year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because. Um... It was new ground for him, you know, the, the Europa League is not something he'd been in since with his second season in Porto, which is you know, more than a decade ago. Um, you know, you think of how traditionally his second season is one where everything falls into place um, with, you know, his players know his demands, he knows his players, he knows who he can squeeze. So someone like Rashford, he knows he can be on him massively, but maybe someone like Luke Shaw or what have you, you know, he needs a different approach. Um, you know, that hard line management maybe doesn't quite work. So he's learned that about his current squad. He would have learned over those 12 months, you know, what they need exactly. He identified those four positions, as mentioned, in, in the spring. And um, getting three of those in now, you would feel he's satisfied with that. And it's just a case of, you know, it, 
starting to fall into place and them building up momentum. I think they've hit the ground running like traditional Mourinho sides, the best ones do. It just will be interesting when you come to kind of February and March, what will his approach be? Is he going to start to batten down the hatches like he's done previously? You know, is the style of football going to be compromised again? Or can you now really maintain this kind of um, zest that they're already showing? Um, it's obviously very early days, but I, I think that will be the challenge. You know, um, can he balance that? You know, winning these games, going into the title race into April, which United obviously haven't done for so long, um, with handling all these competitions and playing that that style of football that the fans demand. You know, you can sense the sigh of relief from not just United fans, probably football fans all over. This the end of the international break this first window the timing of it is awful isn't it, it just absolutely kills the momentum at the start of the season particularly when you've had a great start like United uh, but there have been some positives from the international window I think Marcus Rashford would would stand out as one of the, as one of the big ones of course he ended the the last round of fixtures well as well coming on and scoring is he a must for you to come straight back in? Not necessarily I think Marshall did quite well against uh, Leicester even though he, he, he didn't score and sometimes you forward is judged on that uh, what I do like about Rashford going off that England game is that and a bit similarly to Pogba he never goes into hiding and for the England game he's you know he was, he was cold on two occasions that he got caught out dribbling then he didn't track the runner as well before um, before Slovakia scored but he's he's a great option to have and in a way, Mourinho, even though he did want an option for that left flank, it's it has kind of so far been solved by Rashford and Marshall because they've had these impacts. Yet at the same time, because their impacts have been isolated and come as substitutes, you can see why he did want a left winger there. But if they're going to play like that between now and the end of the season, I think he's going to be pretty pleased with it. Um, it is, I think, certainly... I think Ronald Koeman said it last year when he was discussing Barkley, it was about 22 at the stage. Um, he said he's not a young player anymore. And I think you're on the cusp of almost applying that to Rashford, particularly um, when it comes to the goal scoring. I mean, in his first three three appearances, he missed good chances, one-on-one chances. And sooner or later, that is going to cost United at, at some stage. And fortunately for him, he was bailed out in those games. So... It, you know you can't be patient with a talent like that forever and I think with Rashford I'm not convinced he's a number nine uh, I don't think Mourinho is really even though he said he, he sees him as that uh, I mean Lukaku's occupied that position at the moment and, and Ibrahimovic is going to come in there to bolster it as well so I think having Rashford and Marshall as your two left wing options that does solve what Mourinho viewed as, as a bit of a problem in the summer and it wasn't a problem he was able to have the solution for because Perisic didn't come in neither did Bale but Marshall and Rashford seem to have stepped up because that player hasn't come in so by being quite public about those transfer plans it's also you could view it as pretty good man management as well Southgate had some very complimentary things to say about Rashford, saying he's, uh, he can be compared to Rooney at the same age, Michael Owen at the same age. Of course, we're accused in this country always of building players up. I don't know if you've noticed that from afar, Kieran, yes, of from course. Ireland. Uh, we do happen to get very excited about whenever a young player emerges. And it's, I thought it's interesting you mentioned Barkley then, because he is one who, just a couple of years ago, was the answer, wasn't yeah. he? And where is he now? Um, and... You know, Deli Ali. As much as we're excited about him, he's, he's not done it at all for England yet, has he? 
I find it very hard not to get excited about Rashford every time I see him though. And yeah, he's not perfect, like you say, he misses chances, but again, like you say, he he never stops. You know, he misses, missing chances doesn't seem to bother him. He'll get straight back in there and try again. We right to be as excited as we are about him. How good do you think he can be? Yeah. A number, please. <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> ten, out of ten. Any um, number. No, I think I think what I've noticed obviously coming from afar is there has been a subtle change in English mentality. I think without realising you guys in Verda Commons are starting to, to lower the expectations on players and in fact I think it's going maybe the other way where you know you've seen past you know seven, eight, nine years where your own players are getting booed and I just can't get my head around that personally, but whatever. Um with Rashford I think um what excites me most about him is, is the mental strength and how you know, you think when that season ended, it was his first full professional season. Uh, he probably played upwards of, you know, 58, 60 games. And within, you know, three, four weeks, he was back in the gym. He was over in Portland. He was at Nike's World Campus. He was putting the hours in well ahead of his teammates, who are no slouches, obviously. And the, the development he's had in, in the past 12 months, I think, is, is kind of been a little underrated and you think of how physically he's, he's toughened up he was always someone who uh, contrary to that dive against Swansea last season he, he was never one to, to you know, bow down when a tough defender hacked him he, he was always you know trying to get up and, and keep going and I think you've seen that now how he's filling out and he's, he's, he's growing you know he's still obviously 19 and those kind of hardened um, physical attributes and the, the mentality that when he's dropped He'll, he'll spring back up. It's a recurrent theme. You saw it. Um, obviously, he came on, scored the winner against Hull last season when he was dropped for the game against Sunderland towards the end of the season. It looked like he was he was fizzling out. He came on, he, he scored, then he stepped up, uh, relatively speaking, to, to fill Ibrahimovic's boots as a number nine. And even when he's you know been shunted out to the wing, his attitude's really been an example to follow for some of his senior teammates. He's, he's not complained. And I think he probably sees that you know, it's not a bad thing that, all right, I'm not playing number nine yet, but when you look at all the, the players in the past who that's happened to, you know, someone like Samuel Leto is a prime example, when he applied and he, he was tracking back, something you never associate with Eto, um, he was a real success under Mourinho in that Inter Milan season where they won a treble. And I think perhaps he's used that as a bit of a, a card for Rashford that, you know, uh, just because you're not necessarily playing number nine yet doesn't mean the opportunity won't be there for you if you can kind of develop your football knowledge and your, your overall game by playing on the wing, learning the, the tricks of the trade, as it were, and, and then eventually being ready one day to potentially step in. But I think there are things like his heading, his, his finishing, his uh, crossing, his free kicks. There are elements I, I no doubt he's been working on after training. And again, that attitude is what personally excites me about him. Does he ever become the number nine? You said you're not sure he's going to be a number nine. Of course, they've just signed Lukaku, who's, what, 23, 24? 24, yeah. Um, does, does Rashford ever take up that role? I don't think so. Um, there will be occasions this season when Mourinho's going to play 3-5-2. But when he has played that, he's tended to prefer... Mkhitaryan playing off Lukaku and even though he said to us in pre-season that he, he's going to play Lukaku and Rashford up front together um, I'm not sure it's actually happened yet and it's difficult to envisage when it will happen certainly from the start of course during a game it could easily happen if United need a goal and a 
one nil down with 10 minutes to go then that's the natural scenario for those two to be playing together but I just think that the way football is these days uh, with you know it's it's in vogue to have a figurehead and, and that's it but I, what was interesting was that looking at the times Benzema and uh, Higuain played together in the season round won the league I think they played together something like 20 times and uh, and Real won all but one of them or something like that I saw a stat about it so Mourinho has used that before but I think he said in regards to that season where Madrid broke the scoring record he said it's out of context because it's so much easier in La Liga and I still can't invis- really see that happening whereby he'll be playing those two together as a strike partnership I think Rashford I mean, the funny thing about the other night was that Southgate started him on the right, which is exactly the role you don't play him in because he's he's literally never played well there, I don't think. And he switched him to the left and he's rejuvenated because he's more unpredictable and he's more comfortable there. So Mourinho's added that string to his bow. I still think that he could do do a role as a number 10 because he's a very skillful player and he's a dribbler, which is something you associate with number 10. So... Um, I mean, Mkhitaryan's in his late 20s, so I think if you're looking for him to step up to a role, it would be that one. But from what Mourinho said to us, um, he's, he's not convinced about that, but maybe that will happen in time. Yeah, I'm not sure I see him as number 10. I think a wide attacker in the sort of Griezmann style, maybe Ronaldo style. Obviously, Ronaldo's become a centre forward, mm. but in that sort of image. But then, if he proves he can do that, do United still have an interest in the players like Griezmann, players like Gareth Bale, the ones they've wanted, that world-class wide attacker for a long time. I think they're going to need one next year. Um, so he's not going to develop enough in this 12-month period to do well, that? Well, he, he could do, but I think Mourinho said it when he was talking about Ibrahimovic coming back, he said the dimension of United, it shows the dimension of them signing a big player. And uh, I completely agree with that. And they want another big player, so to speak, this summer in Griezmann. And if you're looking ahead to next season already, you would think the logical step forward is Ibrahimovic out, Griezmann in. And given that Griezmann's release clause is the same as it was when United wanted to sign him, and you see some of the fees that are being banded about at the moment and what clubs were willing to pay for inferior players, he's a bargain before he's even kicked a ball. And there's that French-speaking forward line that's developing there at the moment, so it just makes absolute sense to go back in for him, even though I'm sure Mourinho might have been quite affronted by, by him rejecting United, because that is what he did, and you don't normally go back in for a player who does that to United. So that might be the thing that counts against him. And that still does offer Rashford a big role to play, because you're looking at the the forwards they have available at their disposal there, the amount of games you play throughout a season, just how things change. I remember Mourinho said late September last year that there would be a surprise in the team and everyone was a bit baffled by that. And then a month or two later on, you've got Phil Jones and Marcus Rojo forming a very, very good uh, central defensive partnership. So circumstances can change uh, very drastically, but the size of United and the level they want to get to which is obviously be European champions again eventually uh, they are going to need another marquee forward and I still think if they'd managed to get a Griezmann or a Bale this summer I'd, I'd have been very very confident of them winning the league I still think there's obviously a very good chance of, them, of that happening but um, they could have borderline coasted it I think if they managed to get you know add that bit of stardust to the front line 
forward line of Griezmann, Rashford and Lukaku sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. Or you could throw in Marshall there. Who's ahead for you out of Marshall and Rashford? Um, this moment in time, I think probably Marcel in the sense that you look at that cheap sheet for the Leicester game, I don't think there was a fan in the ground then who would have disagreed with it. And it's been very rare in the past two, three, four years where United fans have been in agreement about a team yeah. sheet but he just he, he's it was amazing again the two of them their attitude's been phenomenal that Martial and you know not being a starter again going into that West Ham game and the same again with Swansea he's come on and, and made a real difference um, again I think it's the combination that would excite me the most that you can have one of them for 70 minutes of a run a fullback ragged and then the other one who's just as fast in some ways can come on and, and get the spoils and that's what's happened in both games you've seen how uh, against Swansea and West Ham that Rashford's you know played the majority of it and then Martial's come on and reaped the rewards of the goals and the assists and then against Leicester uh, Rashford coming on late and um, obviously breaking the deadlock in what was a tense game at times so I think they both have huge roles to play and it's not necessarily um, a bad reflection on them personally if one of them isn't starting a certain game. I think Mourinho's going to rotate. He's done that in the past when he's had great wingers like that. And um, it's really exciting to, to see these two guys, you know, in that similar age group continuing to blossom and looking like they're, they're you know, got that confidence and that resilience now that um, I think has really come in the past, you know, 12 months. Well, the striker in the box seat at the moment is. Lukaku, been a brilliant start for him for United. Have you been surprised at how well he's done, or is this exactly what you'd expect? But I suppose if you look at the opposition they've had as well, he's he, he is, he's often accused of being a flat track bully, isn't he? As if there's something yeah. particularly wrong with that. Um, but which is what he's done. I, I think the fact that he's also scored against City and Real Madrid in pre-season shows he can do it against bigger clubs as well. What have you made of his start? I've not been surprised by it because I thought. I always thought that he was the better addition than Morata. I know a lot of United fans, I think maybe because it's just an image thing because Morata was a Real Madrid player and he's popular online, whatever, but Lukaku is a sure fire Premier League goal scorer. I think Morata is a better footballer, but I'm not convinced he's a better goal scorer than Lukaku, which is what you want, and particularly United after what happened last season where it was the end of the season with 54 goals from their league campaign. Uh, he's got that telepathy with Pogba which helped him immediately before he even played for them what I liked about I mean, the, the Leicester performance, the penalty was shocking and he does need to cut that out because he always seems to go that way Would you ever let him take a penalty again? <laughs> no See I looked at that and I, that reminded me of Andy Cole and Andy Cole was a great Premier League goal scorer never went near penalties, penalties no. did he? Yeah, you and always I, had Dennis Irwin I thought is, he, is Lukaku like that and I think there are similar similarities between the two actually Yeah, I think with I think my Everton mate even said when he did score penalties for Everton, they never looked like they were going in as well. Um, and the one he took against Leicester was just identical to the cup semi-final one against De Gea. Uh, I mean, I think that is something for United to address because their record in penalties in recent years has been pretty poor and I think pretty much every high-profile player has missed one with the exception of Pogba who's taken only a couple. I was about to like say, that. surely he should be the penalty. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have gone with him. Um, and just going back of when he was in the youth team, he took that very uh, cocksure one at Anfield, but got sent off because he, he feigned he fainted before he hit it. 
But with Lukaku, even in that game, I thought that he did very well against um, Morgan and Maguire, who were two you know, very, very burly defenders and pretty solid defenders a lot of the time as well, but he was winning a lot of headers against them. He offers United so many different uh, outlets and that he can run into the channels. Uh, his speed is obviously... It's a, it's a different kind of quality away from Ibrahimovic because he was a more static runner well not much of a runner really um, so he, he can mix it up he has got the potential to be an upgrade on Ibrahimovic and that's you know I think that's that's pretty good going from United's point of view and what Mourinho said earlier in the week about him were being worth 150 million now is, is probably accurate the way the market's gone We've got a brilliant craft beer offer for Manchester is Red listeners We've teamed up with Beer52.com, who have a great new way to discover the best small breweries from home and abroad. And by joining their beer club, you can get expert selected case of different styles delivered to your home every month. And just for listeners of Manchester is Red, we've managed to secure an amazing deal, a case of eight mystery beers for free. It's normally £24 a case, but all you need to pay this time is £5.95 for postage. Just use the code MANU, or one word, at Beer52.com to get stuck in. I'm not surprised at how many goals he's scored. If I'm surprised by anything, it's just how much better for me United look with him than with Ibrahimovic. And I don't think he'll ever be as good a player as Ibrahimovic. No. I'm not sure he'll ever be what you would call world class. I don't, I'm not sure he'd ever play for a Real Madrid or, or a Barcelona. But I think he'll score a load of goals for United. I think he's transformed them. That, that would be more why I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's that... Um situation where they're breaking at pace now and that wasn't really there last season you know that idea of winning the ball back quickly and within you know seven seconds having it at the other end of the field and actually making use of the ball and recycling it well um you know because what you found with Ibrahimovic he's obviously you know an all-time great a fantastic personality and a fantastic player in equal measure um United just constantly went long for him, and he's he's obviously he scored a few headers, but he's, you know, he's he's not necessarily the best header in the world. Um, but what it kind of did to their style of play was that when he got injured, they still went long. It was almost ingrained and programmed into them that no, we don't really have the the guys on the floor to to move the ball around, move it quickly, and, and really cut teams open. So you're seeing Marcus Rashford when he filled in up top being sent these like ludicrously <laughs> terrible at times long balls that just weren't in his zone and you know no matter how much Rashford works in his heading these defenders have a 10 year head start on their um, you know command in the air so what you're seeing with Lukaku is that um, you know they can hit him on the ground as they did particularly against West Ham um, at Leicester as Simon touched on you know he was, he was battling in the air a lot he offers that versatility and that quiet kind of he's, he's quietly gone about it for me you know he, the goals he's he's taken have been been good goals but it, it, there's been nothing kind of you know um, Roy the Rovers about it he, he's just going to quietly I think chip away with those goals and I think it won't be till the end of the season people will, will really look back and think well you know that, that happened quick you know he's just quietly fitted in and, and that's really encouraging because we, we've seen strikers in the past when They've made the moves to fellow Premier League teams. It doesn't always work. You know, Fernando Torres was, was shot by the time he went, obviously. But, you know, when you go for a big fee, it can hang on you. But that already doesn't look the case. And it's already eliminated that question and that pressure. He's clearly 
uh, up for it and being so young still I think there is that possibility he can go up another level or two levels which is obviously really exciting I think he's going to score absolute hatful this season can you see anyone scoring more than him not not United and all that in the league um, I know and there's a lot I know there's a lot of competition but I just look at him I think he, I can see him scoring two goals a game possibly I mean I think if, if Mourinho could have signed any striker in the world he probably would have gone with Kane and I think I hesitate with Kane because I don't think he is world class but you know everyone has their own definition of it but you probably say he's one of the top five strikers in the world and he does you know he's been brilliant in the Premier League but he's never done it at Champions League level or, or international level um, so I think Kane is probably going to be his main competitor but I have to declare Kane is probably my personal favourite <laughs> yeah. striker but half his games this season are going to be at Wembley yes, so you've got to yeah, rule those so out straight away indeed, indeed. <laughs> I, th- I think well, all I'd say is I think Lukaku's got a better chance to win the Golden Boot than, uh, than he did at Everton <laughs> that's a safe bet yeah. indeed um, ok so this weekend it is Stoke what's your stat Samuel? United haven't won there since. Ah, oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. They've not won there since Ferguson retired. No, in the league, I should add. They won there under Moyes uh, in the League Cup quarter-final. Well, that is appalling, isn't it? Yes. Although those records are... None of these players are obviously probably have knowledge of it. I don't think even many fans would have realised you know, that United's record's been so poor there. But I think Stoke, you know... They're an interesting prospect against the bigger teams where you think of uh, what they did to Arsenal surprised many because for a while it seemed like Stoke were on. Who on earth did that yeah. surprise? <laughs> in, in, some, in some ways, that <laughs> they, was a they, nailed on they, result. They've been on a downward trajectory. You know, Arsenal, That's why Arsenal are perfect. Ar- Arsenal got points there last season as well. I mean, my, they won quite comfortably yeah, as well, didn't they? Yeah. 4 1, I think. In, in the sense that, you know, Stoke have kind of struggled to maybe reclaim that fear factor at the Britannia. Um, that, that's been something that's coming back now. You know, they've got Tom Jones's Delilah's becoming a club anthem before the games. Little things like that they've introduced to kind of bring that hostility back that really surprised a lot of Premier League teams when they got promoted all those years ago. So I think it's obviously United's biggest test so far. Um, and it'll be quite telling to see how they do in it when you have... You know, with the team of giants now coming in, you know, an average height, I think about six three, six two and a half. that, you know, are well able to put up with the physicality. And, and this Stoke team um, are, are, are moving away from that in some ways with, you know, guys like Jesse, who are very talented, quick ball players. And it'll, it'll be a good test of United in, in both senses, how they cope with this kind of growing flair of, of Stoke and how, obviously, they handle the, the burly threats. Jose Mourinho is obviously a master tactician. How does he cope with a Tom Jones song? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think from his point of view, it'd be a Brian Adams one. <laughs> mm. I think I think he's probably the only uh, musician he follows on Instagram or something like that. Um, but uh, as I touched upon earlier, I think what United have now, what they didn't previously have at Stoke, is they've got imposing players to come up against them, and those players can play a bit as well it's kind of like a hallmark of uh, the great 94 side when you had you know, Schmeichel, Bruce, Pallister, Keenan, Hughes, Cantona all really hard blokes but also all of them were, were brilliant footballers and United have that similar quality now as well and I just don't think they're going to get as bullied as uh, they have been there before 
I think the last defeat there, that, that Boxing Day game, we had Memphis's diving header that was cut out and led uh, to the opening goal. And Arnautovic running rings around United. Um, I just don't see that happening. I think they're a much steelier side. And uh, it'd be an interesting test for Mourinho as well because I think he had a pretty chasing night there the last time he went with um, Chelsea when they went out out the League Cup. Obviously, he went there with United last season, but it's almost as if he's still got a minor point to prove there. It's a bugbear of mine, this idea that United are a rich man stoke, as has been suggested of late, or a Tony Pulis side who can play a bit, what others say. Yeah. So basically, United are a powerful team who can also play football, and that apparently makes you stoke. Yeah. Or I think more like more a fairer description is that makes you potential champions. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's something he's obviously had to deal with, if that's the words. Um, you know, throughout those times, you think of those title-winning teams he's assembled. Um, for me, personally, not, there was elements that were, were quite attractive in that. You know, you, look, you think of the great wingers Chelsea had, Robin, Cole, uh, Duff, uh, some of the, the football they played at times was brilliant. Um, but the nature of it is that... Um, the, the kind of stodgy performances are the ones for some reason that have kind of gone down as, as Mourinho's kind of legacy. You think of Real Madrid playing at home to Barcelona in that Champions League semi-final and looking to get a nil-nil and Ronaldo playing in his own half, throwing his arms up. They're the ones that for whatever reason have stuck out for, for kind of the, the football public as it were. Um, and you think of uh, his last title in Chelsea, the first half of the season they faced some probably... The, some of the most attractive football he's, he's ever played in England but they start to run out of steam a bit after Christmas and he battened down the hatches and it was again very stodgy last season of course United you know at times were playing six at the back and um, you know going to Middlesbrough or you know the basement boys at the time and, and just really looking patched up and, and ragged um, whereas I think this season you're going to see um that United now have the versatility to be effective, to, to grind out results. Um, I think you might see that against Stoke. You, I'm sure you'll see it against Liverpool at Anfield, that they'll, they'll have setups now where they can mix it and go toe-to-toe with physicality. But they've also now got the um, you know the added dimension of, of breaking at pace, the, the counters. I think that's really going to pay dividends a lot for United now that they've got, as well as having tall players, they're very quick comfortable players on the ball and can really punish teams um, on the break particularly elite teams so I think um, you know this is they're not going to play the attractive football that uh, some fans are dreaming of but there were times when you know Sir Alex Ferguson was happy to, to batten down the hatches as well I think you just need to do that to to win titles at times because um, it's quite rare if you look back in the Premier League where a team for 38 games has just you know been Barcelona I was going to say, uh, quick quiz, who were the last Premier League champions who weren't able to mix it physically? Probably say one of the last two United title winning sides. I thought they were quite lightweight. They were probably as lightweight you look at that as mid- they... Yeah. Like it was like a Skulls carrot midfield or a... I mean, they didn't Anderson win it playing tiki taka, yeah, though, did they? Anderson was not lightweight, but uh, just going off his size, but he was not the most intimidating of players. Fletcher um, wasn't keen, but he was still he was a ball winner. Yeah, though, yeah, he? and and I think from two thousand eleven onwards, he was you know he had his 
his, his illness problems as well. They did have Vidic as well. They had, they had Vidic. Ferdinand, you know, you look at the size of him, he could, he could handle himself. But looking at those teams, you're probably thinking it probably was in terms of that, that beefiness about it, if you like. It was pretty much reliant on, on Vidic. And I think the last, the last time United won the league, I, I think Johnny Evans probably started more league games than him that season. But it's not necessarily ticky-tacky, was it? No, 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 not at all. Um, what I'm saying is generally a successful team has to have that mix. So to Yeah, absolutely. So to, to use that as a stick to beat Mourinho with seems a little bit harsh to me. And, and I think what I'd say about Vidic was that in two of the last three uh, title-winning campaigns, he was probably United's player of the season. Uh, I think he did win it one year, but I certainly thought in 2010-11 he was, he was phenomenal in that campaign as well. I don't look at this United... I know they're big side but I don't look at them as uh, as bully boys at all I don't think they've looked like that in the first three games of the season I think if anything someone who you probably would think of as that uh, big commanding figure as in the Matic if anything surprised people at what a good footballer he is doesn't he the way he's actually yeah. carried the ball out and been an attacking presence yeah I think ever, like most people knew he'd have to be quite a decent player to have won two leagues with Chelsea but it's almost like it's a stereotype because he's tall, he's Eastern European, and he sounds like Ivan Drago. He's he's just going to be this lumbering guy who's who's. If just he dies, he dies. Exactly. <laughs> How was that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> took me right there. One of my favourite film quotes. It doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Um, I've been thrown off a little bit there. Blind um, spikes. <laughs> but he looked very fleet of foot against West Ham in in that opening game and. There is a silkiness about him. You have the cliches about cultured left foot and all that and what have you. But I think before he moved to Ch- moved back to Chelsea, he won the FIFA Goal of the Year award. He scored that extraordinary volley for Benfica. So technically, there there are you know there are demands when you become a United player, and I think that's why maybe even though Dyer is a lot younger than Matic and long term might have been the better addition I'm not sure he brings as much uh, going forward as, as Matic does Dyer I think is just there as a stopper tackle give the ball uh, to, to a, a superior uh, teammate but with Matic I think he's he's got a bit more about him and I think he had a decent assist rate last season as well I think he got something like seven assists so very good addition Do United drop lucky not getting Dyer? Um, again I think Matic is the yeah. better player. He's yeah. older, but I think he's, he's looks better, a better player. player. It's yeah, I think with with Dyer's obviously he can drop into centre half, and that's kind of been the, the issues out of Tottenham, where he's not always played as the whole midfielder. Matic, he actually got loads of centre backs. Yeah, Matic for what, the whole of his career has generally played in that position, um, and again, it's a, the mentality thing is that United now have. I've lost a few leaders. Um, whatever you say about Wayne Rooney, he was he was a really well respected leader in that dressing room with, with the young players looking up to him and things. In Matic, uh, they've gained a, a leader, a very quiet leader, but a, an opposing figure, someone with title winning experience that isn't necessarily in the squad with Premier League winning experience, and um, he just has, you know, even if they only get say two, three starting years out of him, I think for 35, 40 million. Uh, in today's market, that that's a really potentially great signing, and he's slotted in. Um, he's shown he can do, you know, the the harrying, the tackling. He stands up. Um, he 
they have a presence there who can't just be thrown off the ball and that gives them a crucial kind of um, you know standing and starting attacks and bringing the ball out from the back and it's very interesting when you see Jones and Bailly they they know he's always there he's like an umbilical cord and they already have that trust with him to know uh, you know he he has their back and they have his back so it, that spine is, is going to be crucial if they have any chance of, of winning the title Was he the most important signing of the summer for United? It's hard isn't it because you can look at him he's immediately <laughs> improved them hasn't he? you can yeah, say he immediately improved them but then you can also say Lukaku has immediately improved them as well hasn't he? And they, they needed a striker to, yeah. to score goals so I'd probably say Lukaku is purely because without him I don't think United are going to be would have been this prolific and they just desperately needed a striker after Ibrahimovic got injured so it has to be Lukaku but I think the other thing you notice about Matic is when he hasn't got the ball but United have he is getting forward so that he he can offer an, an, an alternative threat and it's going to be interesting to see when you know the fixtures come thick and fast this month and Mourinho will doubtless change formation it's going to be quite fascinating to see where he fits into that how he adapts to going back to 3-5-2 which he said himself in Dublin he was, was quite looking forward to that I think he he probably favours that particularly after how well Chelsea did in it last season although that was 3-4-3 I think um, and as Kieran touched upon earlier when they've, they've got Liverpool next month and then it's Chelsea I think just before the the final international break this year uh, so those two games coming within within a month are going to be crucial for United and also for just how well um, Matic has come and it's, it's going to be it's going to be a fair time to judge him I think after that Chelsea game OK playing Stoke this weekend so I'm going to ask you a question about Mark Hughes none of you were prepared for this Kieran you might not have been born by the time you retired <laughs> were you did you ever see him you were alive when he was still playing uh, yes I was he was at Chelsea he was at Chelsea OK, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what f- I'll let you think about this so yes, I'll come please. to you next <laughs> and it can't be a Chelsea answer no. by the way OK that's fine your favourite Mark Hughes memory? I was just about young enough to remember the Oldham goal um, at Wembley in '94, yeah. which was the nice, which is quite timely because John Motson retired mm-hmm. yesterday, and he he soundtracked that moment. Um, I, I think I'd forgotten the, about that one. Perhaps perhaps the the the, the more um, uh, the one that sticks out more though is him being dropped in the last day of the '94 '95 season. When they That's your favourite Marcus's <laughs> memory. Certainly not my favourite. Not my favourite. But the one a real insight into <laughs> yeah. Samuel Lucas' mind works. You, you, you've got you've got to be very analytical and, and quite cynical with these things sometimes. Uh, but that that one kind of like stands out the most because it was just a very. I think Gary Neville even questioned it, and Gary Neville, you, you would never find him criticising Ferguson, but he did actually question why. Mark Hughes didn't start when United had to win that game at West Ham. And I think he did come close to scoring in the second half when he did come on. He did, but to be clear, that's not your favourite. <laughs> no, Mark absolutely Hughes. not. No. The favourite would be the Oldham goal in the yeah, FA Cup which a very semi final, semi-final, yeah, yeah, at Wembley. Yeah, the one where he's sliding, it goes into the top corner. I think it's. I think the trajectory is more like towards the bottom. Corner. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, that, that's that's one of the greatest goals in United's history. That is like phenomenal technique. Kieran, 
Uh, I'm going to go for a managerial moment because I've lived through more of his managerial. He was never Manchester United manager. No, oh, just United. It was United. Oh, yes. United memory. Oh, hence why I said no Chelsea. No, I was going to pick Wales because having lived in Wales, I've got a connection. Uh, I don't think guiding them to our audience. Oh, we are. Come on, don't be silly. Guiding them to a win over Italy that stands out for me. I'm sure you remember that game. So no, no. Well, there you go. So 2002. There you see. No. Okay, so you don't. But you actually huge moment. You'd, just say that again, it wasn't clear enough. What was the. Uh... They were wearing Manchester United colours, this Welsh team, and they beat Italy in a uh, World Cup qualifying. They nearly qualified uh, for the tournament that year. Um, I think it's for the Euros. Euros sorry, Euros, yeah, yeah, 2003. 2004. For 2004, yeah. Um, so that was. That was the one that stood out for me, if I was to pick a Mark Hughes moment. I, I think, the reason I brought this up is because um, I was asked by the reporter for the Stoke Sentinel, one of our uh, paper, in one of our sister papers, uh, how Mark Hughes is considered among United fans, and I said... Not very a, well. <laughs> well, I actually say he's a legend. <laughs> but, uh, however, I'm, I'm sat in here with you two, and here you're, you're offering, you're offering <laughs> me not quite if, getting Wales well, for the major no, tournament, yeah, and you're but, offering me being dropped... <laughs> I'm um, 25, you have more experience than me. You're um, wiser than me. I think, <laughs> and you've got to think of this purely as a player. Forget what he's done as a manager, as a player. <laughs> he was a legend for United. Oh, he was, and he was yeah. an absolute... There are a few players who are just born heroes, and I think he was. He, you mentioned the one against Oldham. There are loads more goals he scored that he just pulled United through the mire. Uh, the goal that would stick out for me would be that goal against Sheffield Wednesday, do you remember it? I think it was 5-0. Oh, and he just whacked it from about three yeah. miles away. It yeah. was... I mean, I don't even think he was in Old Trafford at the time. Right. It was uh, an amazing goal. Look it up on, yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, right. um, do my stuff. TV cameras were <laughs> just about been invented. <laughs> <Like a> gantry. <laughs> at, at that point. I think, um, I can't say I know Mark Hughes very well, but I think he'd prefer my memory of him than your two. <laughs> it's just, he's, I think since he left United, and it wasn't when he went to Chelsea, because I think he said when... He first went back to Old Trafford. Chelsea went one lot. Stenis Wire scored, and his instinct reaction was, "Oh, we're one nil down." So he was it. United was that ingrained in him, even after he'd left. Mm. But I think when he became Blackburn manager, he said a couple of things that annoyed United fans. It was just, in general, among opposition fans, he's just not well liked. There's something about him. I think Wenger said after the added by all celebration when he scored for City and went up the other end, goaded Arsenal fans. I think Mark Hughes came out and said that, oh, that's his favourite corner of the ground. It's some pathetic excuse like this. And Wenger said everybody, like 99 people would say it was provocative. The one person who wouldn't is Mark Hughes. And I thought that summed him up quite well. I don't mind that. As a player, as a player you used to be able to wind people up pretty well as well. Oh, it is, yeah. So yeah. I don't mind that at all. Let's, uh, we'll finish off with some predictions. Kieran? I'll go for... To be specific... Um, yeah. Prediction for the match of the weekend. Oh, well, that way this Um I'll go for 2-1 United. I think it'll be a tricky game, but they'll, they'll come through it. So Stoke are going to break United's perfect record of not conceding? Yes. Okay. I'll go 2-0 United. I'm going 2-0 as well. Okay. Okay, thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this and you'd like all the latest episodes straight down to your phone or wherever else you get your podcasts. Just click subscribe on Audio Boom or iTunes or wherever else you pick these things up from. We'll be back next week.